Carl Gustav Jung travelled widely in Africa, North America and the Orient and was an erudite man of great introspection. He perhaps represents best what can be described as that combination of academic study, meditation and resultant experience that leads to oneness or Atman. He was a student of a variety of subjects, including the work of Poe, Byron, Shakespeare and Nietzsche, and also of Sanskrit, Hindu and Egyptian myths, Greek and Norse legends, the Bible, the Church Fathers, Gnosticism and Aztec mythology. At university and subsequently, Jung became, to an extent, obsessed with Nietzsche and conducted a detailed analysis of him in the late 1920s to early 1930s. As Frank McLean writes in his biography of Carl Gustav Jung, the reading of Thus Spoke Zarathustra was as much a revelation to Jung as Faust had been. McLean goes on to comment how Jung was alarmed by the model of Nietzsche's insanity and how he strove to avoid a similar breakdown in himself. He states, Jung was perfectly well aware how closely his experience resembled that of the great German who died in an insane asylum. It was this faith that he feared above all, having survived madness by the skin of his teeth. He was often to say that the experience gave him a unique insight into the forces that carried off Nietzsche. For at least four years he lived in a state of constant tension and near breakdown, and he often reflected with justifiable pride that it was only his immense toughness that pulled him through. As one mental storm succeeded another, he frequently had to force himself to do yoga exercises to keep his emotions in check. Indeed, the experience is not an easy one and is often bewildering. And in an explanation of this potential madness, McLean writes, Nietzsche had been overwhelmed by madness because he did not retain a strong enough impression of the difference between the external world and his own fantasies. McLean continues that Jung took great comfort from his family. He repeated over and over to himself, I have a medical diploma from a Swiss university, I have a wife, I have five children, I live at 228 Seestrasse, Kushnat. In other words, in context of his experience, Jung, unlike Nietzsche, was able to remain grounded. It is my assertion here that Jung's experience was fully articulated in his book Mysterium Conjunctionis. The initial point of process or embarkation is cited by Frank McLean when he states that Jung noted the exact date when he let himself go. It was the 12th of December, 1913. And this pertains to his spiritual journey and the period of deep introspection and all the mysteries of the experience. The experience itself is consistently described by Jung as numinous, meaning the indication of the presence of a divinity, spiritual or awe-inspiring, and states that this would be recognized only by someone who had known it themselves. Jung declares that anyone who has experienced anything of the sort will know what I mean, and anyone who has not had the experience will not be satisfied by any amount of descriptions. Moreover, there are countless descriptions of it in world literature, but I know of no case in which the bare description conveyed the experience. In Jung's view, any attempt to gain an adequate understanding of the numinous experience must be made of parallel religious or metaphysical ideas which have not only been associated with it from ancient times, but are constantly used to formulate and elucidate it, a point which I have tried to make in this book. 
Young goes on further to say that investigations of such experiences convinced him that previously unconscious contents then break through into consciousness and overwhelm it, and that even Jesus appeared to his followers in that light. Young states that these images and ideas were not thought up or invented by the inspired person, but happened to them as experiences, and he became, as it were, their willing or unwilling victim. A will transcending his consciousness seized hold of him, which he was quite unable to resist. Naturally enough, he feels this overwhelming power as divine. Young firmly asserted that profound introspection and confrontation of the self was an essential device which leads to this numinous or awe-inspiring experience. The reference to Plato's experience can be found in the Thirteen Epistles of Plato and in the Seventh in particular. The Seventh Letter was a turning point in Plato's life. He was disillusioned with politics after the execution of his mentor Socrates and devoted himself thereafter to philosophy. Plato was a well-travelled and a learned man travelling to Egypt to study the discoveries of Pythagoras who preceded him. In an introduction to the collection of letters by L.A. Post, Post asserts that the work can be compared with the letters of St. Paul. Post states that in this work of Plato's we find the confident tone of a seer, the fervid outpouring of an enthusiast who has seen a vision, a vision that compels him to devote his life to propagating a divine truth amongst all mankind. The seventh letter is the longest in the collection and the most valuable of the Platonic letters. While there is debate over how genuine the letters are, even critics who dismiss some of the other letters accept the seventh as authentic.